Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. My name is Rod and a big greetings from Siem Reap, Cambodia, where we're spending the next couple of days getting ready to explore Angkor Wat. But on today's show, I wanted to cover something a little bit different from our usual interviews. Um, A lot of the times when we interview other families that are traveling full-time, we kind of skip over the entire kind of origin story, right? How do they get from living the traditional nine-to-five lifestyle to becoming, you know, a full-time travel family? And that is a really complex kind of question to answer. But today I am honored to be joined by Ben and Kelly Lutz, also known as the Fun Employed Family. They actually left on their adventures about the same time that we did this past June. And I was really curious to try to dive deep into what are the motivations to deciding to sell everything? What is the process like? What works well and what doesn't? And I am glad to have had the chance to chat with them about their experience since it's fresher in their minds. So we hope that you enjoy this episode with Ben and Kelly. And with that, let's get it going. Hey guys, I am really excited to be joined today by Ben and Kelly Lutz, also known as the Fun Employed Family. Um, If you've seen them on Instagram, they've been having some fabulous, fabulous adventures, and we're really happy to have them on the show. They recently sold their stuff. Um, They're originally from Michigan, but have been living in San Francisco for the past 10 years or so, and now they are traveling all over the world, started off at Lake Tahoe, then went off to Europe and are now in Bali. So really honored to have you on the show, Ben and Kelly. Thanks so much. We're happy to be here. Could you guys introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from and what your life was like before you decided to travel. So like you said, we're both originally from Michigan. Uh, We've been married and have been living in San Francisco for about 10 years. We have a daughter named Liesl and she is almost two years old. Um, Our background is in in accounting and finance. Both had good careers and worked for a large company in San Francisco. Around the time Liesl came around in uh, November of 2016, you know, as most parents probably have had the feeling, you know, our priorities started shifting. Uh, we bought a house in the suburbs. We traded in our two-door Jeep Wrangler for a four-door SUV. You know, all of those things in, in you know, preparation of parenthood. But as time went on, you know, we kind of realized that our current paths wouldn't necessarily um, lead us to a life that we would have wanted. Uh, and, and we were scared that we'd get to retirement age and, you know, we'd be like planning Liesl's wedding and having not experienced what we wanted to in life. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we'd be looking at ourselves like wondering what happened. Was there one like specific moment where you guys were sitting down thinking, hmm, you know, maybe we should consider a different kind of lifestyle or was there another family that was doing this that inspired you or something you read in the news or, you know, what what was that process like to to start thinking and planting the seed of an idea to actually deciding, okay, this is what we're going to do? Yeah. So um, we've always loved traveling. One of the reasons that Ben and I waited so long to have kids is, or to start a family is because we love traveling so much. And we knew like, once the kids come, you don't travel very much. So like we have always had a passion for traveling and we'd always get home from vacation and have a little bit of like the post vacation blues. And in October, 2017, we took our first vacation with Liesl and we went to Hawaii and we were sitting on a beach in Hawaii, like thinking and talking, like, how can we keep doing this? How can we not go back to our normal everyday jobs? 
And then the night that we got home from Hawaii, we were sitting on our couch at our house and saying the same thing. And then this next night, it was the same conversation. And we just kept on with that conversation. And within a few weeks, we were starting to like go through iterations of what would it look like if we kept traveling or what would it look like if we switched careers? Like what else could we do to be self-employed and give ourselves a little more flexibility? And that's kind of how the whole thing started. Yeah. And to, to answer your question about whether other, were there other families? Um, there definitely were. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Obviously, you know, people like you guys and us probably all know about bucket list family and they're super inspirational and in what they've done. And in researching more, you find out how many more people are doing this and it really was an inspiration to us to say, look, these people are doing it. This family's doing it. Look at that family. And everybody has their own different journey. Some are just traveling the U.S. Some are RV families. Some are jet set families like yourselves. And and so it was definitely a helpful um, tool to use Instagram and YouTube for that, to just kind of keep that positive momentum going, even when sometimes we question ourselves, often on a daily basis, of what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We just kept saying, well, we can always get back into our careers if we need to. We can always fall back on our education. We can always fall back on our experience, but we won't always have the opportunity to do this. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of other inspiration out there. Speaking of kind of like-minded groups and supportive communities, um, not sure what you guys' situation was like when friends and family, when you told them, were they supportive of the idea or what what kind of feedback did you get from them? It's a very good question. <laughs> we, uh, I'd say the easy answer is that we got mixed reviews, but most of the mixed part was based on confusion. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of our um, a lot of our families didn't understand why we would leave like our good jobs and our careers, um, and they didn't really understand like what we would be doing while we were traveling, but. For like our parents, we sweetened the deal by saying, hey, you know, we're going to travel for a year with Liesl, but then at the end of this, we're going to be back in Michigan, so we'll be closer to you guys. Um, but then a lot of our friends were really supportive and excited for us and maybe a little bit jealous. So um, it was really cool the amount of support that we got from our friends and that we still do get from our friends. So October, November 2017, you guys finally made the decision, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have a kind of set date in mind for when you were going to depart on your adventure? Yes. So yeah, we kind of made the decision internally last, uh, maybe, maybe November by the time we actually made the decision. Um, we went through about a hundred iterations of what we wanted to do or what we thought we should do, where we should go, how long we should be in places. Um, and we finally ended up on this round the world idea. Um, we looked at when we wanted to be in Europe, um, kind of at the tail end of their tourism season into their shoulder season. And then we backed into kind of when we would be visiting family in Michigan for a while and when we'd actually be leaving California. And it ended up being that we, we left our house uh, in California on June, I believe June 2nd. So it, it took a while from when we made the decision last November to actually mm-hmm. leaving. It was, call it seven months. Um, but it all worked out well. We spent a month in Tahoe, six weeks in Michigan, about seven weeks, almost eight weeks in Europe. And then now we're here in Southeast Asia and we'll be here bouncing around for about four months. And then we'll head down to uh, some of the Southern Pacific Islands. New Zealand is on the list for February. So Uh, in terms of, you know, that seven month process, did you feel that was enough time for you? Could you have done it in less or more? Yeah, definitely. The whole preparation and, you know, you guys went through this too, like selling the house and selling all of your stuff. 
it's way more work than we had ever imagined. <laughs> um, but it was a very liberating process. I mean, minimizing things and simplifying your life and getting rid of a lot of possessions that we didn't even realize we had accumulated. It was, it was very, you know, a very freeing experience. What was the, the most successful method of you selling your stuff? Was it, you know, garage sales, online, Facebook? What worked for you guys? Oh man, I think the thing that worked the best for us was Craigslist. And Nextdoor. And Nextdoor, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the neighborhood app. And then uh-huh. we, I don't know if I even listed anything on Facebook. I looked into it, but we were having decent success on Craigslist and Nextdoor. Um, so yeah, that, those, those two actually worked pretty well for us. Nice. And is there one thing that you wish you would have known sooner in terms of the selling and the planning process? Yes. Kelly, do you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> she, she has a fun story. Oh my God. All right. So I wish that I would have known more about passports and visas because before we left, I looked at my passport and I'm like, great, it doesn't expire until June, 2019. We'll be done traveling internationally in like March or February of 2019. Mm-hmm. I should be fine. And then we were sitting at dinner in Europe and one of our friends was like, you know that most countries require like six months of validity to even enter the country. And I'm like, what? No way. (laughs) So um, I looked at my passport again and I'm like, shoot. So just um, actually a couple weeks ago, we were in Croatia and we figured out that like I do in fact have to get a new passport before I enter Thailand because that's like where my Mm -hmm. six month cutoff is. So the first day that we were in Bali, I actually had to go to the U.S. consulate and apply for a renewed passport. And through that process, when we were looking at the passport requirements, we also were like, oh, hey, what about visas? And we realized that we were going to be in both Bali and Thailand for more than 30 days. So we needed to get visas for both countries as well, or Indonesia and Thailand mm-hmm. for more than 30 days. But we definitely, what we've learned from that is is that either we need to be super more planful or stay in countries for, you know, under their visa requirement, which most are 30 days, but like some, Vietnam I think... is a little different, Yeah, right? yeah. So either way, it's been fun to, uh, a fun learning experience while we've been on the road. <laughs> You know, when it comes to planning a year abroad, a lot of the times we we kind of look for budget travel options and Europe doesn't really rise to the top of the list when it comes to destinations like that. So what um, what was in kind of your decision space for making sure that you were able to start off your adventure in a great place, but also have enough kind of funding to carry you through your year, knowing that Europe was more of a pricier kind of continent, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you couldn't have said it better. Europe is one of those places that no matter what you do to save money, it's still Europe and it's still expensive. We had the luxury for part of the time while we were in Europe to stay with family. So I have still some family that uh, is in Germany and, and actually never immigrated to the U.S. Um, and we're you know we're close with them, so we were able to stay in Germany for a few weeks uh, at my cousin's place, which was very helpful on the budget. Um, but outside of that, (laughs) we have a few tips, like overall tips that we kind of took away from Europe, um, as we had been there. Um, one being, you know, avoid the high season if possible. It's probably not a super big surprise, but the shoulder seasons are actually really nice in Europe. You know, April, October, um, we have a story. We went to Mykonos, Greece in November one time, this was years ago, and it was nothing like we had imagined about Mykonos, Greece. It was not, uh, overly sunny. It was not 
beach weather. All the beach clubs were closed. A lot of restaurants and shops were closed. And we felt almost alone except for the locals. But what that gave us was a really unique experience to see a place like that so popular in a much different light than most people would. And a lot of the locals were actually kind of asking and wondering what we were doing there. <laughs> but it was, you know, we, we, we paid a fraction of the cost that we would have normally, and we're not big beach club people anyways. Um, so we had a great time. Um, but so avoid the high season is a, is a definitely a great thing to do to save some money. Another quick aspect is that we learned more on this trip was food. It's like one of the biggest expenses as a tra- you know as a full-time traveling family that we have outside of lodging. And so each country and city is drastically different prices for dining out and for groceries. Some places it was actually much cheaper to dine out than go grocery shopping and have the effort of making your own food. Oh wow. Yeah. Whereas other places, you know, like Switzerland, it was very expensive to dine out and their groceries were actually proportionally not that expensive so we would go buy really great fresh produce meats and cheeses breads and we'd go make picnics and have our own little lunches and dinners uh, on our own which was fantastic that's just one thing to think about sometimes if it's really expensive the restaurants the grocery stores might be a better option in terms of travel in europe what has been one of your most memorable experiences so far? The ones, the kind of experiences that you kind of end up pinching yourself like, wow, we're actually living in this moment and this is something that we're going to remember for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I think if we go all the way back to when we were in Paris, our first stop in Europe, we took Liesl out to the Eiffel Tower at night to see the light show. Um, mm-hmm. She was still a little jet lagged. So she was staying up a little bit later. She was still on East Coast time from the U.S., and she made it up past her normal bedtime of seven o'clock. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so we took her out and we saw the Eiffel Tower lighting up. We spread out a picnic blanket. We had like our meats and cheeses and baguettes and Lisa had some toys. And she saw the Eiffel Tower twinkling and she looked at it and she said, Eiffel Tower pretty. And it was one of those moments as a parent where you're just like, oh my God, this is it. This is why we're doing it is so that we can share this amazing experience with our child and hopefully like spark that passion in her so that she wants to travel too as an adult. And it's just been watching her grow and seeing the whole trip through her eyes has just been so amazing for us. One of the things I was most nervous about before we left was how is Lisa going to handle constantly moving to a new place and to a new, you know, new surroundings, a new house, new Airbnb, new hotel, new people, not having her daycare friends around. But she has been amazing at adapting. Um, Sometimes when we're in a place towards the end of our stay, and we start telling her and prepping her that we're moving to a new place. And we'll get to the new place and she'll just look at us and say, new house? Kind of in the question. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, yeah, this is our new house for the next, you know, two weeks or three weeks or however long it may be. Um, But she's really moved moved well and adapted well. And, And that has been, I think, one of my proudest moments is just, us being travel bugs as we are, I think we have a new little travel bug in the family. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome to hear. A lot of the times, you know, people tend to narrow down on the memories aspect when it comes with the kids. Oh, Liesl's not going to remember this, or our kids probably aren't going to remember it either. And what we've realized is yes, we'll have the YouTube videos to kind of remind them, but it's not really about them building memories. It's about them building some more intangible qualities like that flexibility, that resilience, that understanding that. You know, there's there's a bigger world out there and they're seeing so many different things. And I think it just ends up 
making them more adaptable. And that's something that we've seen either even with Nora, our younger one, is she's become so much more open to approaching people. And, you know, at this point, we can't really say, like, would this have happened if we didn't travel? But we are really thankful that it has happened. And we do attribute it to the travel just because those experiences are so unique, so different, and could be kind of uncomfortable for them at first, but they learn to thrive and they learn to move forward. And hopefully those are the skills that they continue on into their kind of future lives. And it's awesome to hear that Liesl is going through that as well. Yeah, it's crazy because I think the thing that we struggle with a lot is as I think in the U.S. at least, they teach you like your kids need routine. They thrive on routine. Like they need to know, they need to like eat at the same time every day. They need to do all the same patterns every day. And that's like how you get like really good kids. And we took her out Mm -hmm. of that routine and flipped her world upside down. And now she has like zero routine. (laughs) Like I personally get stressed out about it all the time, but I mean, she's, she's doing great. She loves it. And so Mm -hmm. we're all happy about it. Yeah, that's so great. Kind of wrapping up a little bit now, what what would you say to other families that are considering this kind of full-time travel lifestyle? Um, what would you say to them? I would say it depends on each family and especially each family's financial position, but I would say go for it. You know, we thought about this a lot. We talked about it and I'm still kind of pinching myself at the fact that we pulled the trigger and we are you know, jobless for the moment. Um, and <laughs> fun employed, unemployed, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but it is a, an ex- it's an experience that, you know, we will never have had if we didn't really push ourselves to get out of the box, think outside of our normal realm, you know, get out of our comfort zone and we're growing as people. And, and, and we would have been kind of stuck in our day to day routine and quickly, you know, been 65 or retirement age, and then looked back and said, wait, where did our life go? And we just, we just would have regretted that forever. So it's one of those things that you have to kind of look at it and say, you know, if you have a career and you have experience and you have a background to fall back on, um, I don't think employers these days are as concerned with having a gap in your employment if you have good reason for it. Um, it's no longer the days where people work for 35 years for one company. Um, so I think being confident in yourself and confident in the decision that you make, and then if you need to fall back into you know your prior life, you always can. Um, but you would never know unless you try. Great. So thank you guys, and we wish you the best, and we're excited to meet up with you in Bali soon. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, thank you guys so thank much. Thank you so much. So that wraps up our time with Ben and Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about the process of selling everything and what it takes to really go from a traditional lifestyle into a full-time family travel lifestyle. We're so glad to hear that it's going really well. And we hope to continue to follow your adventures. For all of those that are listening, you can continue to check them out at The Fun Employed Family on Instagram, or you can go to their blog, www.thefunemployed family.com. As for what my family is up to, over the next couple of days, we're going to be exploring Siem Reap and going on a cruise down the Tonle Sap and Mekong rivers in Cambodia and ultimately ending up in Phnom Penh. We are really excited to share those adventures with you on future episodes since it's one of our most unique experiences yet. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. We'd also really appreciate if you would take the one minute 
to review our show, whether it's on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Your review would go a long way towards making sure that our show continues to be seen and heard by others. Thank you so much for listening this week. And until next time, happy jet setting. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 